And joining us for Pet Chat today, we have our pet vet, David Tabret. Hi, Jay. And what's our special topic today? Oh, well, what's coming up this weekend? Let me guess. Does it begin with E and have six letters? Yes. Okay, we almost <laughs> had to go on to I, toes, I was, I was on to yeah. onto your second hand, yes. No, I've got six fingers on one hand. So it's something to do with Easter. Yes, but listen, from a veterinary perspective, my concerns are don't feed your dogs chocolate, people. Don't feed your dogs chocolate. But we're going to talk a bit more about that in detail today. And Danny Boss is with us as well. G'day, Jane. Easter's Easter. on the agenda too. It is very much so. What I thought we'd do is talk about the history of of eggs and rabbits in Easter. Dr. David Tabret, your pet topic Dr. today. Dr. Jane, yes. Look, <laughs> it's Easter. all about something. I, We've been talking a lot about I, today. I, I, love, I love Easter, Christmas. Okay, I've got a bit of a sweet tooth. I like chocolate. Turns out our dogs have a sweet tooth as well. So they're very attracted to the taste and so on of, of chocolate. Now, you know, if you have a nice Who chocolate. Wouldn't, though? Who wouldn't, Oh, I know. Honestly. Who wouldn't? <laughs> if you have a nice chocolate, you get that, you know, a little bit of an energy buzz and a bit of a, you feel pretty good about it. And what's going on is that in the chocolate, there's these compounds. Uh, there's a couple of them. They're called methylxanthines. The particular one we're concerned about is called theobromine, and it's sort of like caffeine. It acts in the same way. It actually stimulates an energy pathway inside cells. So that's what makes you feel that little bit of an uplift. And chocolate has other benefits for people, but we're not here to talk about that. However, in dogs, it actually goes a bit further, and it causes all sorts of problems. So over a certain amount of theobromine, uh, anywhere over 20 milligrams per kilogram of theobromine, and that's the actual toxic compound. I'm not talking about the chocolate because different chocolates have different concentrations. Now, the worst is dark, well, the worst is actually um, pure co- cocoa, and then um, cooking chocolate, dark chocolate, and working our way down the different grades. And you know, if you buy chocolate, it'll say 70% or 40 or whatever. So that's telling you how much chocolate's involved. And um, once we look at that, uh, by the way, white chocolate, it's a bit of a secret, but there's no chocolate in there. It's actually pretty sugar. much just sugar. So there's a, no chocolate. Now, I'm not advising feed your dog white chocolate because they will get tummy upsets from things like pancreatitis or they'll get a gastritis, but it doesn't contain theobromine. If you want to give some treats for your dog, then you can buy uh, the carob or chocolate-free treats over the Easter period, and I would advise everybody to do that. But more importantly, keep chocolate away from your dog. It will cause seizures. It will cause an irregular heart rhythm. Either it will go very, very fast, or it will go very, very slow, or it will do both at the same time. Right. Yes. (laughs) I've seen this. I've had dogs that have had chocolate poisoning, and actually their heart goes from a heart rate of 20 to about 250 in the space of a second. Wow. Um, And then back again. And you can imagine what that does to pumping blood around your body to your brain and things like that. They get seizures. They can often then get hypothermia where their body heats up. And ultimately, this can lead to a whole range of complications ending in death. And so uh, it can start off with mild symptoms, 20 to 40 milligrams, like I said. Once they get over 100 milligrams per kilo of theobromine, um, then they're into this really danger period. But we, we would treat any dog that's ingested more than 20 milligrams per kilo. How do we work that out? 
Well, we've got a little nice little calculator. We just put in the type of chocolate, how much you think they've eaten, the weight of your dog, and it will tell us whether or not your dog has ingested a dangerous dose. And the treatment could involve quite a stay in hospital. So like everything, uh, prevention is better than cure. And so make sure you provide an alternative and keep the chocolates away from your dog. And as I said, especially the dark chocolates. They're the danger ones. Besides, we'd like to eat the chocolates ourselves anyway. Are there, well, so? look, you know. <laughs> you often also mention at this time about the uh, the wrapping that the chocolate eggs well, come, yeah. uh, come in. and the Sometimes that, yeah. that can also be a cause like causing, you know, it's little bits of foil going through the gut. So sometimes they'll get tummy upsets from that or an obstruction. And I've seen dogs that we've actually made them vomit up chocolate. And by the way, that, that one of the first signs of chocolate poisoning is they'll actually get some vomiting and diarrhea, but that won't remove the chocolate from their system. And if they're actually doing that, then that means the theobromine's already in their system. And so they've got a toxicity. It's not like, oh, it's okay, he vomited, therefore he won't get sick. No, he vomited because he is sick and he's probably going to get worse. So if you... Um, keep them away but if you have any concerns then certainly get in contact with your veterinarian and uh, you know any time night or day don't wait for this problem because it'll get worse so small children i suppose are, are the concern because they love Le- to share their things yeah yeah if they're and, eating chocolate you know the we do have this limit so um i don't want to get into detail and say there's a safe limit but you know a large dog a small chocolate probably not as particularly milk chocolate probably not enough theobromine in there to cause a problem but as i said that's where we actually use this calculator to work out exactly how much they've had and what the appropriate treatment would be for that uh, ingestion this is pet chat and danny boss we're thinking yes, easter Jane, we're thinking easter and we've got our chook expert jim delaney on the line to talk to us about why are Easter eggs or chook eggs, Easter eggs, so popular around Easter? What's what's the meaning of all that, Jim? Well, guys, let me say before I start, I'm a bit worried about the dark chocolate in the cupboard now. I'll have to hide that away from the dog. <laughs> You'll have to eat it, Jim. Yes. I'll have to eat it. What a good idea, Dave. <laughs> have to eat it. <laughs> yes, listen, the, the eggs are... Um, look, the eggs come from more a... Um, Northern Hemisphere, actually a pagan ritual around, um, I'm not sure if, if the listeners are aware, but um, a lot of the Easter traditions here um, come from European traditions, and in Europe it's coming into spring. So it's all about renewal, um, the daffodils are starting to come out, um, all the baby birds, all the baby animals are all being born, and that kind of got rolled in and combined in with, with um, the Christian festival of Easter. Um, and like um, Easter Sunday is about renewal and Christ being uh, resurrected from the dead. So there's a kind of roll-in of some pagan festivals and some Christian, well, one of the biggest Christian festivals of the year. So what's, what is the meaning of having the eggs? Well, the meaning of having the eggs basically is that symbolism of life renewing itself, the egg. I mean, most mammals will come from eggs one way or another, um, not physically laid ones, but... Yeah the same sort of process. So um, I guess in Europe they have a tradition of painting the eggs. Any reason why? Look, I, my parents uh, were, were British migrants and I remember as a child um, my mum at this time of the year would, would go out and she'd buy some eggs from, from the local store and, 
and get the clothes dye out. And they're, they're very nice memories because as a family we would sit around and my mum would show us how to paint the eggs and we'd you know, talk about all different um, drawings and things that we could put on the eggs. And then when it came to Easter Sun, my mum would get the, the eggs out and we'd actually, you know, if we'd painted a special one for Dad, you know, we'd give Dad the egg and... Or if the lady next door had come in, my godmother, say for example, would have a special egg for her. So it's kind of a really nice thing. It's it's a great family thing, and it's really nice, even artistically, to be able to sit down with your kids and teach them how to paint eggs. So basically, it's about the renewal life. You say that's correct. What about bunny rabbits? Like Easter time, I know in the stores, bunny rabbits are very popular. But how do they mm. come into play with Easter? Well, it's kind of the same thing because I guess, I mean, we all have um, certain sayings about breeding like rabbits. Um, so that whole fertility um, concept that rabbits are very profuse and, and rabbit breeders and it's the beginning of spring and, like, traditionally the rabbits um, breed. This is the time when all the baby rabbits would be coming out. So it kind of got rolled in that pagan Christian uh, amalgamation of festivals. I mean, in Australia, it's actually quite opposite because um, you'll probably be aware yourself, Danny, that rabbits are not that easy to get at this time of the year. It's right at the end of the breeding season. The yes. rabbits are about to go into winter. So there's not a lot of baby or young rabbits around at the moment. It is always difficult because people do want rabbits for their kids for Easter. But I guess when I say that as well, we do stress the importance of looking after rabbits. If you are going to buy a rabbit this Easter, it's not just for Easter. It's for the life of the rabbit. Can you expand on that? Well, yeah, look, I really support that and I'm, you know, secretly I'm quite glad that there aren't a lot of rabbits around at the moment because there's always an increase of calls at this time of the year, people wanting um, young baby rabbits for their children. And um, thank goodness in the Southern Hemisphere they're not so readily available. But rabbits are great pets to have, but if you're going to buy one just for Easter for the kids, it's not the greatest um, way to look at having a pet. Rabbits are fairly easy pets to look after. That said, there is a problem in Australia that the local authorities won't let, let the pet rabbits be vaccinated for myxomatosis. So quite often the mosquitoes, if you're in an area where there are other wild rabbits that do carry the myxomatosis virus, um, it's very easy to lose your pet rabbit when the mosquitoes are very uh, prevalent, which they are at my place at the moment. Yeah, so think, think twice about getting rabbits for Easter. Should remind uh, our listeners that um, although we can't get a myxomatosis vaccine, we should vaccinate for Khaleesi virus. That's correct. And um, I would encourage everyone to do so. And at the same time, also make sure that you can provide a mosquito-proof enclosure uh, for pet rabbits and make sure they're inside or out of uh, dusk and dawn times, which is when mosquitoes do tend to be more prevalent. So, yeah, good advice. Right. Yeah, it's probably... It, it, I always... Um, you know, if people are interested in keeping rabbits, it's very important what David says. And even if you buy one of the little commercial rabbit hutches, it is really important um, to put fly screen on the outside of it and then take a look at it even when you've put that on the next day if you've got mosquitoes around because you'll find that they will if, if there's any little holes or any little areas that you've missed you will find that they'll get into where the rabbits are so so when you put it on have a look the next day but i do encourage people always to to put flight screen on their hutches to keep the mosquitoes out thank you uh, once again jim for that information thank you danny see you guys happy Easter. 
Thank you, you, and happy Easter to you on Pet Chat. It's 27 to 1, and we'd be very happy to take your calls. If you've got something you'd like to ask about your animal, your pet, then give us a call and we'll put the question to David here on Turn Your RFM, where it's all about the music and it's all about pets at the moment, Pet Chat. And we're taking your calls, and Bill has rung in from Gwandolin. Bill, you've got a problem and a question for David. Hello, David. G'day, Bill. How you going? Not too bad. Happy Easter. You too. What can we do for you? I've got a uh, five-year-old female Jack Russell. Yes. Uh, when I got it, it was loves birds, kids, humans, everybody. Yeah. And there's a dog down the street that will take it for a walk at barks and runs across the road and tries to kill my little dog. Oh, dear. But uh, since then, it still loves the birds and the kids and everything else. But if it sees uh, another dog on a lead, it barks and barks, barks and wants to kill. And sometimes I take it over to the other person with their lead, etc., yep. and they just wag their tail and say hello. <laughs> but <laughs> other times, they want to kill each other and... Uh, I can't stop it barking, and even a great big Alsatian, <laughs> chop him, to, chop it to pieces, but yeah. <laughs> she'll have a go at them. Now, I've tried smacking her, and even buses and uh, the garbage truck that goes past once a week, it's a big drag, and as far as the dog's concerned, it barks at that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right, now, I've tried hitting it. That doesn't hurt. Help. No. What's no. the answer? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, Jack Russell Terriers, their job, their whole being is built around being alert and chasing and running things down and yapping and barking and this is an instinctive thing so it's really part of their nature fair enough but um you've seen a change with different circumstances and also as time goes on you want to probably see those behaviors start to change to fit uh you know the household urban environment where that may or may not be appropriate so there's a couple of things that you can do, but just just keep it in the back of your mind that it's really it's the natural go-to position, and it's really sometimes it will be an alarm bark like "Hey, Bill, look what's over here," or sometimes it's excitement. And uh, anyone who's ever seen a Jack Russell knows they they can get a tad excited. Yeah. Um, and you know sometimes it's just the joy of living. Oh my gosh, look! There's a bus, or there's the wind, and the trees, are, and there's a bird and jumping around. And so you're not going to be able to control all of those uh, instances. And it may just be accepting some of those uh, times for. Oh yeah, okay. There's a bus going past. Um, but I would look at how you're reacting to the barking because you think if if the purpose of the barking is alarm barking come over and have a look then the reaction that you give is going to drive whether that behavior continues to happen at the frequency that it does so you know you first of all you said well look hitting hitting her didn't work at all and that's right and it won't because if the purpose is alarm barking in fact she got your attention and so she'll continue to do it um and she doesn't always connect the behaviour of barking with why she might be getting struck. Okay, so you, you're finding that that's not... I'm not saying you should hit her faster because that won't work anyway, um, but I do think how you respond to it. So it might be you acknowledge what she's looking at or barking, 
then distract her and get her to do something for you. And if she's trained, you might ask her to sit and then be able to give her some attention. And if you've got some food treat there, you can give her a treat. So now, yes, she, you've acknowledged that she's barked, but then it's almost like, now turn around and focus on me and I'll get you to do something. And you get praise and atta- attention for doing the sitting or whatever it is, not for the barking. A lot of people have said to me, it's the dog is trying to protect me. Well, to some extent, yes, at times that'll be... The, but, you know, it's a Jack Russell. I mean, they're like, you know, look, there's a, the, the leaves are moving, I have to bark. Yeah. Um, and and it's yeah, with, just... with cats, as you go up to any cat and say hello and come on, love each other. <laughs> it couldn't care, and the birds would come in on food of an afternoon, they couldn't care less. <laughs> it's just, if it sees a just, bus or something big, yeah. or another dog on the other side of the street, it wants to... Get over there and kill. Sort of thing. Well, <laughs> bark, bark, bark. very exciting, and as they say, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the fight in the dog. And but as you know, sometimes it's just about I want to go over there and meet that dog. But you know, like yourself, you don't always like everybody that you run into. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Know. But uh, try those things. Get her to do something for you. Acknowledge the bark, and then say, get her attention. Get her to sit, and then give her a pat and a cuddle or whatever, just to reinforce that. She's getting attention because she's doing what you ask her for, not because she's barking. And that's something to try. And thank you, Bill, for your call. And Casey has rung in now. She's come from Cameron Park, or she's in Cameron Park. And Casey, you've got a husky who's doing something you'd rather he didn't. Yes. <laughs> Hello, how are you? Hi, good, Casey. What's going on? Uh, we have a husky, and she's probably she's about five years old now. And mm-hmm. um, we've got a new leather lounge that we've had... Um, for about a year, Uh-oh. and what she does is she jumps up on the lounge, um, mm. mainly at night when we're not looking, and she'll scratch into the lounge as though she's nesting or something, yes. but because it's leather, she's scratching, starting to scratch mm. through, and mm. we've tried, um, when we've come out in the night, um, we used to go mad at her for doing it, and we don't hit her, but we get the post and smack it up against our hand with the noise, mm. um, but then she resorted to, when she'd hear us opening our bedroom door... She would jump off the lounge, lay on the carpet, and lay on her side as if she'd been there all night. So <laughs> we'd come in and feel the lounge, and they were hot, and then we'd do the posting again. Right. And then we uh, heard that we should try and reward her with treats when she doesn't do it. Yep. So we tried doing that. It's and very confusing, worked. isn't it? Yeah, that's been working okay, but now she's gone back to jumping back on the lounge, and we've got a fair few scratches in the lounge, so I'm just concerned, mm. yeah, you know, that going to be a lounge ready for the tip in a couple more weeks yeah and look the first problem there is that when you go to the furniture store you have to ask for the pet friendly lounges <laughs> they're, well, they're made of dogs so yeah with the leather the the um the it, the, it won't catch stick. onto it yeah well there's a couple of things and i don't think well i don't know how you're going to feel about it but i don't think your dog's going to be too happy about it Ultimately, the only way to deal with this would be is to not let her have access to that room and certainly don't let her get on the lounge at any time. Yeah. So yeah, Don't do that now. It's a no-go zone. She has, per- she has had permission from you guys yeah. to let her access and to jump up on the lounge. And so yeah, my husband did that. That's, who, that's, her, that's her bed. Um, and so what do you do when you hop into bed? Well, you fluff the pillows up, you know, you make sure the blankets are arranged. That's all she's doing. Okay. And so you let her have that bed, and now you're getting upset and you're smacking the post because she's, you know, 
trying to make herself comfortable. So <laughs> what you need to do is to give her an alternative, give her a bed that she can really fit into and it's got, you know, a blanket. Some people give them pillows. I don't know if dogs need pillows. They might wake up with sore necks. But <laughs> you need to give her something that's her own and have a have a ritual of her going to bed, just like we do, have a ritual of her going to bed and then she doesn't have access to that room. And, of course, then if she stays in that and so on, you, you can give her all the praise you like and pretty soon she's going to realise that if she goes near the lounge, you don't have to rouse on her. You just have to get it, like I was saying to Bill just then, just get her attention away and get her to do something for you and then give a praise for that. So she's getting no attention when she goes near the lounge and you're actually distracting her. But give her some alternatives. Um, now, Danny's just given me a note here. Well, what have you got there, Danny? You've, the thing is... You is know that, about a product that could help as well. Yeah, I mean, I do agree with David. The behavioural training is the first thing we need to do. Uh-huh. If... If that doesn't work after trial, trial and error, then there is a product called a scat mat, which you can put on the lounge, which when the dog gets on it, gives a vibration sensation. And they don't like it and they get off. Oh, okay. So there Where is... Where You just... A pet store would have it. It's called scat mat. Okay. Um, and yeah, that works really well. Works a treat. Once they get on and they get the vibration sensation, they get off and they don't bother getting back on the lounge. So that's a quick solution, but you know, you So as, as Danny said, if you, after trial and error, but Danny, I like my idea for trial and success. <laughs> There's one. no error. We're going to, <laughs> we're going to give Casey's Husky a new bed in a different room yes. and change, changing behavior. But more importantly, Casey, we're changing, we're not changing dog behavior. We're changing human behavior. Yes. So you better, you, you should be able to, we'll get a podcast up and make sure your husband listens to this. <laughs> He's listening now. Ah, good one. Okay. Good one. Thank you, Casey, for your call. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so if you've got a question you'd like to put to our team here, to David, give us a call, 49216216. We'll get you through. Now, um, billy carts, are they traditionally designed for goats? <laughs> billy goats, aren't they? <laughs> Shouldn't they be a little cart that's is drawn this, by a is goat? Is this your question, Jane, or is this a this, listener's question? No, this, what? <laughs> well, have you ever I seen a billy cart look, with a billy goat? Yeah, I have in one in a heritage festival idea. <laughs> and I'm, I think you're I'm, right. I'm going to be careful here because <laughs> you don't. Want uh, to. My date of birth's a little recent than others in the room. <laughs> <laughs> More. <laughs> uh, look, uh, you know, when I've been to Macedonia, I've, I've seen it. Really? Yeah, I have. There you pulling go. Billy carts. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think pulling, nowadays... Pulling, pulling carts. Pulling little carts pulling and having races carts. and yeah. things. But billy oh, carts... I haven't seen races. Okay. Seen races. So billy carts these days aren't really to do with goats, are they? Do you, are you suggesting that the word billy carts is related to billy goats? Goat. I'm wondering. It's a question. <sighs> Language hour. Language mm. out. However, there we'll is investigate a, that. We will, and we can do that at Gresford on Easter Saturday because oh, there's a Billy Cart Derby what there. What a segue. <laughs> well done. I knew that, that was coming that from was somewhere. That was the purpose. Oh, my goodness. So Easter Saturday, 9 o'clock till 12.30, the Billy Cart Derby is happening. It's uh, in Park Street, East Gresford, and... You might even be able to build and enter your own billy cart between now and then. It's an annual event. You'll need a goat. <laughs> well, maybe the goat's the person who's building it. Who I'll tell knows? you what, we don't, the thing, Pet Chat won't have to answer that question because if people go up to East Gresford, 
they will be able to find out for themselves. So there's the a very question. good reason and to go. And they can give us a call next week and let us know. Absolutely. Yeah. There's all sorts of good things happening, monster raffle, carnival rides, and a variety of stalls and the best barbecue in the Hunter Valley. The money raised will be divided between the Gresford Public School PNC and the Gresford Preschool. And Graham, good, good cause. Graham, good causes. And Graham can tell you more. Oh four one six double one six double oh nine. That's oh four one six double one six double oh nine. Two and you RFM in touch with our community for our sponsor, Lexi's on the Beach or Weather Beachside Dining off Mitchell Street, Stockton. You're listening to Pet Chat at the moment, and we're taking your questions four nine two one six two one six. And Liz, you're in Rathmines, and you've got a bit of a problem, not with a dog this time though. No, with a kitten who's five months old, and when I, I'm standing, he tries to climb up the back of my legs with his Ooh, claws, yeah. and then if you pick him up to cuddle him, he's doing the same on my shoulder, trying to nuzzle. Uh, mm. How do I stop him using his claws? Oh, <laughs> just a terrible thought just popped into my head. Oh, no, I'm supposed to love animals, don't I? Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what people have got, and it's not necessarily going to be useful for you, but there is, you can get actually little soft um, gloves. For oh. their, they're, they're glue-on little plastic covers over their claws, believe it or not. Wow, and they and they wear off. They take uh, probably four months, three or four months, yeah. depending on the cat. They actually yeah. wear off. And I forget what they're exactly called. Oh actually. gee, I should. I was going to say, I don't know, paw claws or something like that. And and they come in different colours and patterns mm-hmm. and things. You wouldn't believe it. But um, that's look. That's one way. Mm-hmm. Sort of along the the same line as we were saying with Bill earlier about behaviour and mm-hmm. and instinctive behaviour. Kittens, if you look at how they play, they grab uh, the item, like, you know, the classic yes. is the ball of wool. They'll grab it and throw it around in their f- hands, in their paws, and, and, you know, they're using their claws are out to do that. Mm-hmm. And they like to climb. Um, I, I remember if you, you know, go on the internet, you can see pictures of what people have done in their houses where they've got ladders and tiers and layers and ledges all over their house because cats like to get up high. So, <laughs> yeah, so what happens is when you pick him up, he's like, oh, I can almost get to the top now. I'm, I'm at Everest Bakes Camp and I'm just going to go for the summit. And so he's going to climb up and give him half a chance and he'll sit on top of your head. Yes. So it's, it's a natural behavior and you need to provide, you're not going to be able to stop that. Right. Um, and I do know people who have had real concerns about, you know, the injury that can be caused from kittens. Um, when they're grasping at you or climbing because their claws are obviously very sharp. Yes, they um, like needles. <laughs> yeah, and look, there is another um, concern as well is that um, they can carry a disease under the nails when they're less uh-huh. than two years of age, and I'm just trying to remember the cat scratch fever, and I'm trying to remember what the organism is. Actually, it's spread by fleas, and but it lives under the nails of the kittens so um it'll come to me after the show you watch but um you know there are concerns also from a health point of view Mm. and if you're if you're someone with um fragile skin uh then you know that's the other concern as well because it can be quite nasty so um look the short answer is there's not a lot you can do make sure you maybe have 
um, the kitten away or pick him up and give him access to something to climb on. And a good idea might be in the short term is to actually get a a kitten or a cat um, tower. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. because well, they, it's got, got carpet on it. And yes. that naturally wears away the nails a bit as they climb on it, would you or, say? Or encourages them to sharpen. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. uh, some well, people, yeah. Some people have advocated the use of things like water pistols and stuff. Yeah, it works. My experience is that um, it can probably cause more problems and you never really have access to them when you need them. Thank you so. very much for that call. And Peter joins us now from Loxford. Peter. Hello. Hello, you've Hi. got a, a dog problem too. I do have a dog problem. I have a, a nine-year-old Shih Tzu yep. that in the warm weather continually wants to scratch and gnaw at himself. Hmm. And um, how long has this been going on for, Peter? Um, well, ever since we've had him. So we've only had him two years, though. Okay. Um, but he's, he's always, as soon as it starts to warm up, he seems to start biting and, and licking at himself and goodness knows what all day long. Yeah. And then overnight, he's so exhausted that he just lays there and <laughs> doesn't want to play. So sleeping isn't a problem, it's the rest of the no. time. Okay. No. Well, we always have to think of these things in a positive way. You're not having problems at night. Um, however, I guess this, uh, this extended, if you like, um, weather with the warm weather is just continuing the problem. Are you still seeing it at the moment? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, we bath him probably um, twice a week to try and stop it, and I have bought some um, wash from the veterinary um, mm-hmm. surgery called, I think it's called Pamoxin, I'm not sure, um, which is supposed to stop itching and um, goodness pam- knows what. Yeah, Pamoxin's actually a flea um, insecticide rinse. Yeah. Now, uh, maybe we've got too much of that on him. <laughs> well, look, I think it's not a bad idea to be able to say that you're looking after any flea concerns. I don't I wouldn't necessarily say that fleas are the bottom line problem here. No, he doesn't seem to have many, mm. like, you know, we have three cats. They are outside cats, but okay. he's an inside dog. Yep. Um, and, and we check him every week for fleas, yep. and he never seems to be bothered by them. It's just that as soon as it gets warm weather, um, and I keep his coat fairly short. Okay. Um, because of that, it seems to be the shorter the coat is, the better he is with it. Oh, for sure. Look, there's a couple of things that um, we really uh, need to just highlight here. First of all, good flea control is essential. And although I've said that fleas probably aren't the bottom line problem, if you do have any fleas, you're never going to get control of this. That's the first thing. And if you've got multiple animals, then there is more risk of that. And if they're almost impossible to find, and uh, animals that are allergic to fleas only need one flea bite to cause a problem. So just make sure that's under control. Second thing, we're the right breed and the right age, and this problem's been going on for a lot longer than you've had him, for this to be an inherited allergic disease to things like pollens, grasses, and trees, and everything in the environment uh, called ATP. The keys are bathing regularly, and if it's a warm weather, I would bath every day just in tepid water. But you can also use an oatmeal blend shampoo. I like Alavine. It's an oatmeal, uh, very soothing for the skin. There is medication that's helpful, and you can speak to your veterinarian about that. Cortisone's used in the short term, antihistamines used in the long term. Um, 
But if you hang on, I'll give you some more info because we've got to wrap up the show. Stand by. We've Thanks. just got a short word from Danny Boz. Look, we're just looking for entries into the Chucky Hilton competition, so we want to make sure you send your photos of what your chook looks like to petchat at 2NURFM.com. Your chook house. The chook house, your chook mm. house, and if it's really good, you could win a whole year's supply of chicken feed. And uh, that's petchat. <laughs> just chicken feed. Petchat <laughs> for today, and we're looking forward to Easter without chocolate for our pets. Uh, coming up, we've got 2NURFM's news, and that's in half a minute's time at 1 o'clock. Thank you, David Tabrett. Thank you, Jane Klein. Good to see you again. Good to see you, and you'll be back next week for Pet Chat yep. after the midday news yep. at 12 o'clock. And Danny Boss, yes. thank you too. Goodbye. Just one more last time, so if you've got your pen and paper now, petchat at 2NURFM.com.au. And that'll get any comment you make through to Danny Boss.